I grew up in the South, and one of the people I was closest to as a girl was my grandmother. I loved spending summers with her in Savannah, where she worked as a sculptor and artist carving tombstones for local people. She was a remarkable village woman who often served her community as someone comfortable around illness and death, someone who would sit with dying friends. And yet when she herself became ill, her own family could not offer her the same compassionate presence. My parents were good people, but like others of their social class at the time, they had no preparation for being with her as she experienced her final days. When my grandmother suffered first from cancer and then had a stroke, she was put into a nursing home and then left largely alone, and her death was long and hard. This was in the early 60s, when the medical establishment treated dying, like giving birth, as an illness. Death was usually handled in a clinical setting outside the home. I visited my grandmother in a plain and cavernous room in the nursing home, a room filled with beds of people who had all been unwittingly abandoned by their kin. And I can never forget hearing her beg my father to let her die, to help her die, She needed us to be present for her, and we withdrew in the face of her suffering. When she finally died, I felt deep ambivalence, sorrow, and relief. I looked into her coffin in the funeral home and saw that the terrible frustration that had marked her features was now gone. She seemed at last at peace. As I stood looking at her gentle face, I realized how much of her misery had been rooted in her family's fear of death, including my own. At that moment, I made the commitment to practice being there for others as they died. Although I had been raised as a Protestant, I turned to Buddhism not long after my grandmother's death. Its teachings put my youthful suffering into perspective, and the message of the Buddha was clear and direct— Freedom from suffering lies within suffering itself, and it is up to each individual to find his or her own way. But Buddhism also suggests a path through our alienation and toward freedom. The Buddha taught that we should practice helping others while cultivating deep concentration, compassion, and wisdom. He further taught that enlightenment is not a mystical, transcendent experience but an ongoing process calling for three fundamental qualities, fearlessness, intimacy, and transparency, and that suffering diminishes when confusion and fear change into openness and strength. In my twenties, I entered the Cave of the Blue Dragon, the dark space inside where the bilge of my short life had accumulated. I knew instinctively that I had to realize healing directly through my own experience, that my habitual relationship to anguish could be resolved only by facing it fully. I felt that befriending the night was an assignment for survival, and knew intuitively that thinking about it would not be of much help. I had to practice with it. That is, I had to sit still and look within for my natural wisdom to show itself. I also understood through the civil rights movement and protesting the Vietnam War that the rest of the world suffers as well. My bones told me that Buddhist teachings and practices 
might be the basis for working with and transforming the experience of alienation, both personal and social. So a commitment to social action began to grow strong roots inside me. I found I could put my own difficulties into perspective through working with those whose problems were more difficult than mine.